So hi everyone and welcome to our latest um, Biome podcast. Um, I'm Emma. I'm Roby. And this week we are going to talk about the Indian vulture crisis. Yeah. So I shouldn't be that excited about that. I know, this is quite a morbid thing. (laughs) No, it is quite morbid, but I think it's important that people know about it because I hadn't realised the scale of it until we were looking into this. So do you want to say a bit about what's going on with vultures? Yeah, so this is kind of why it was really interesting to me because it's not something we hear about quite a lot on our side of the planet and it's actually not something that you hear about so much where it actually happened which is india and south asia so it should more properly be called the south asian vulture crisis because it wasn't it didn't just happen in india but india was absolutely hit worst off um and so there are nine native species of indian vulture uh and they are all nine now threatened with extinction after a decade-long rapid population collapse and this is the fastest population collapse of any bird species ever recorded even more so than the passenger pigeon, which went extinct in 1914. And I would argue even amongst mammals as well. Like the extent of decline, to have that extent of decline in a decade is extreme. And what's very interesting is that the cause of this decline was unknown for a very long time. Um, So a little bit of a background. The three species which were most impacted were the three species of gips, vultures, gips or gips? Gips or gyps? Um, I think it might be gyps, actually. Gyp, maybe gyps, yeah. I think gyps. The three species in the genus gyps were most affected. So that's the Indian vulture, the slender-billed vulture, and the white-rumped vulture. And uh, India previously had a lot of vultures. Uh, it's uniquely suited to vultures. There's lots of megafauna around for them to scavenge on, lots of high areas for them to nest on. But what's really good about India for vultures is that Hindus, the majority of the population in India, well, yeah, the majority, don't eat cows because cows are sacred. And so the cows are just left out there. They're never eaten. The bodies are just left there. Um, And so this creates this massive, fantastic food source for the vultures. And obviously vultures, a bit like hyenas, they're not that sexy animals. They're not that pretty, but they're some of the most important animals in nature because they are nature's disposal system. I mean, so I think they're they're pretty sexy. Like, I think got, they're pretty sexy, yeah. Because they've got part of that, you're saying about eating the cattle and the scavenging and things like that. If you see, haven't seen vultures, they've got kind of this naked looking head. So it's just yeah. skin. And the idea behind that is that they can like shove their head into like a cow's intestine or whatever. It's all blood <laughs> and horrible. But then it doesn't stain the fur. It's easy to clean. That's why yeah. they maybe look look a little bit odd. But Yeah. But at the same time, even though India was really suited to vultures, vultures are really suited, are really kind of at risk from disease. So obviously they spend most of their time sticking their heads into dead and decaying animals. So actually Lovely. in terms of, yeah, in terms of natural diseases... They're really resistant. Their ass, their, the acidity of their stomach is such that they can process anthrax and bubonic plague without falling ill. But, so I, I want to know what if they can survive that. What yeah. is it that is affecting them so well, badly? It, it was interesting. It wasn't their food which tripped them up. It was their lifestyle and what was in the food. Because obviously vultures live and forage socially. So what affects one bird? affects the entire population. So the white-rumped vulture was the worst hit, Gyps bengaliensis, and the population fell by 99.7% between 1993 and 2002. And in the 1980s, 
The original population size of Gyps bengalensis numbered around 80 million birds. So it was thought to be wow. the most abundant large bird on the planet and 99%, 99.7% of them died. That's it's just shocking. And I think as well, the I mean, obviously you, you gave a number of there of how many there were, but almost like pigeons or common wood pigeons that we have here in the UK, I got the impression that vultures were so abundant in this part of the world that no one really thought to count them or thought to look if they were declining because they were yeah. everywhere. They were everywhere. And cities like Kolkata, where my family are from, they they were like pigeons or crows or squirrels everywhere. Every building had vultures on top of them. So um, have you seen them in large numbers kind of when you were little? No. So when, when I was little living in India, the decline had just had just happened and so right, okay. it plummeted but my grandmother who lived uh, in Kolkata and grew up in Kolkata remembers clouds of vultures I mean so many you couldn't see the sky in areas um, wow. and the same is happening f- happened for the other other two species the Indian vulture Gyps indicus fell between fell by 97.4 percent and uh, the slender billed vulture fell by 94 percent um, and so now there are tiny breeding populations left in really inaccessible places like Nepal, Bangladesh, a little bit in Myanmar and Cambodia. Um, and it's interesting, It was no one really knew what the cause of this was. But what was interesting is that some species weren't affected. So the Himalayan, King and Cenarius vultures weren't affected. And that gave you a clue because the Himalayan and Eurasian vultures live in the mountains or they only winter in India. So it was clearly a very localised problem and the king and scenarius vultures feed more on the hides of the animals not the actual meat so it was clearly something wrong with the meat it was thought um but for a long time we didn't know no one had any idea and it was not until 2003 that dr lindsay oaks and his team at, at the peregrine fund uh, discovered the cult the culprit to be the drug diclofenac so what what is that what what's diclofenac it is a very common anti-inflammatory drug, actually, administered to livestock and used to treat inflammation, fevers or pain. So it's a, essentially pain relief for cows. Uh, and it was widely used in India in the 1990s, but it is fatal to vultures. And there was a, a really interesting paper which simulated a model that it would take only 1% of carcasses contaminated with diclofenac to make Indian vulture populations fall between 60 and 90% annually. And the study found that over 10% of carcasses were contaminated. So that wow. is the scale of what what the decline is working with here. I mean, I can see why it took people a long time to figure that out. Because obviously, if you've got these vultures that can are able to process anthrax and like bubonic plague and things like that, it's, it's like, how is an anti-inflammatory drug affecting yeah. them so badly? But I guess that just shows like different animals are affected so differently um, by drugs. Yeah. And actually what it does, it, 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 it inflicts uh, kidney failure failure on vultures. Right. Re- okay. Renal failure. That's how it impacts them. Um, but yeah, the, the consequences of this crisis, you might think, oh, OK, well, so there's no more big, dirty birds flying around. But the consequences of this crisis are astonishing. So, yeah, some of the consequences of this crisis are really, really shocking. And I think maybe that's when people started to realise that, oh, wait, like the vultures do more for us than oh, yeah. than we had thought. Um, so obviously, if you think about what they're feeding on, they're fe- feeding on carcasses and sort of cattle, um, 
just pigs as well yeah, dead dogs cats, really yeah. any dead animal which is just left out on the side of the road and you think if that wasn't disposed of that's just rotting so you've got mm. contaminated drinking water um you've got spread of diseases so aside from the what is it diclofenac 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 yeah Dicl- <laughs> i'll call it diclofenac yeah um so obviously aside from that which is meant for treating them if you have rotting meat that's like it can cause human human disease as well um and then obviously with all this all these carcasses around that's obviously going to boost things like rat and feral dog populations um which are not as good scavengers or processors of 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 dead meat as vultures because obviously vultures can do this fantastic thing where they've got this stomach acid which can if a carcass has got plague on it so what the vultures will eat it but dogs can't can't do that they actually carry and spread the diseases and also with relating that to dogs um there's a big impact as well with the possibility of them spreading rabies Mm. as well obviously because you've got i think it's something like india has 18 million feral dogs um, that's a lot of feral dogs. <laughs> it is. And if they then suddenly have a massive food source of cattle carcasses and livestock and things like that, which the vultures aren't eating, I think there was there was a paper that kind of... They weren't sure because there was a massive rabies outbreak um, mm. across um, Asia. And it was actu- possibly attributed to the rise in feral dog populations as a result of the vulture crash. Yeah. Um, I think I think they did le- later link it quite quite definitively. Uh, but they looked at the number of dogs before and after the, the vulture crass. And obviously it's not just dogs, it's also rats as well. And with rats come fleas and parasites. And so you've not just got rabies now, you've got influxes of plague in India, yeah. uh, which can be attributed to the loss of these vultures from the ecosystem. Um, and one of the things I really thought was interesting is that I really distinctly remember uh, when we were living in India... Um, waking up one night and all the dogs were barking and someone turned around and said ah yes it means there's a leopard about because the leopard's favorite food is dog now so you've got another knock-on effect if you take out the scavengers and get a load of dogs in town you then actually promote human conflict with larger carnivores because leopards under pressure from deforestation and habitat loss will be attracted to these massive populations of 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 dogs and rats and feral cats and stuff and that brings them into further contrast because surpri- you do have su- a surprising number of things like leopards in cities like Mumbai. There was, I think that was a recent Planet Earth one, just saying how many leopards li- are kind of living under people's noses and they don't know. But obviously, yeah. along- alongside the feral dogs and the cats and the rats and stuff, if you've got all these carcasses, if they're freshly, if they're kind of fresh carcasses, leopards, leopards will come and take that as well. So then you've got the disease possibly spreading to them, like diseases and the effects of that drug yeah and obviously i mean i don't know if you could ever quantify whether the ecosystem is is hit worse by this or the people but we have to remember that actually we are part of the natural ecosystem and we are being badly affected by this so it costs 21 dollars to treat someone for rabies india treats half a million people each year for rabies and the average wage in india is one dollar seventy per day so this is a crisis which is affecting some of the least some of the people least able to deal with it yeah. um it's estimated that the decline of vultures in, in india costs india about 24 billion per year 
just because you've lost those vultures. That's incredible. And there's also another, there's another human aspect in that um, India has a very large uh, Parsi and Zoroastrian communities uh, and their traditional male way of honouring and disposing of their dead is in these fantastic, well, not fantastic, very interesting looking, shall I say, uh, towers of silence, which you, you see in cities like Kolkata and Delhi, these massive open towers where they leave the bodies for a sky burial and the vultures are seen as um, the carriers of the spirit on the way to heaven. So the vultures will come down, process the dead bodies. But without vultures, this traditional and very kind of Im- important cultural right is, is now unable uh, unable to be carried out in, in the way that it should be. And so there's been a lot of difficulty caused for Parsians or Arastrians in, in South Asia as a result of this crisis. Um, so again, people really are bearing the brunt of this um, this this decline in vultures. I think it just goes to show how many knock-on effects something like, well, it's several species of vulture, but kind of as a group, how yeah. how big of an effect they can have. Like, yeah, I, I would never have thought about kind of the cultural practices of, yeah, people's souls being taken by vultures. It's like, you can't just replace that and tell someone to have a cremation or a burial. No. If that's your faith, you you can't just tell someone that they need to do something else but that that's hard <laughs> yeah although interesting inter- inter- interesting interestingly it sounds like a lo- a very nice uh, a nice right i love that interaction between between you know the, the human life and the human culture and then helping and promoting promoting vultures in india i think that's a very kind of lovely symbiosis there the vultures benefit and the humans benefit not just economically but spiritually i think we need more yeah. of that yeah no definitely so obviously there have been a lot of hard-hitting effects, not only on the massive declines of the vultures, but also the people. Mm. What What's going on in terms of kind of, are they trying to boost numbers or, or what's happening with kind of conservation side of things? Well, the, the conservation angle for this is kind of like a two-pronged approach. So first of all, India, Pakistan and Nepal banned diclofenac for veterinary use in 2006. So that's good. And it was replaced with another drug, which is harmless for vultures. So that's, you know, good. But... Diclofenac has not been banned everywhere. It's still used and still available in Europe uh, and controversially approved by Spain in 2013, despite Spain... Spain have a lot of vultures, though. Yeah, and in fact, their vulture population has declined by 90% since 1990. So that's not a good thing. Wonder why. Um, yeah. Although I guess it's different in, in Europe if you you might not have the disposal of cattle carcasses in the same way that you would that's in true. India. That's true. Um and the other angle that the conservation uh, movement is taking is obviously captive breeding and release of vultures. Uh, that's very hard, though, because vultures are long lived and slow brooding. So this is something which we won't we won't get to 80 million vultures in the next 50 years or even 100. So this will take decades to, to revert what we have caused. Um, you know, vultures reach breeding age at five years old and they tend to only have one chick every five years so this is a very hard species these three species are very hard to hard to restore um there has been some progress so saving asia's vultures from extinction which is the anagram of which is save which i love oh that's cool uh yeah they're the kind of main main group working working to to bring back these vultures but it's slow going so 2016 they released two captive bred himalayan griffins um uh, two slender bill tricks were are being released in Haryana and West Bengal, uh, and so since the decline, only 162 have been bred and successfully released from captivity. So it is hard, um, 
I guess that's that's the hard thing if they're such slow breeders. Yeah. It's not like other birds where you could have a big clutch of eggs and then the eggs could be reared in captivity and kind of help them along. But what you you said it was one chick every five years. That is such a slow reproductive rate. Like that's going to take a long time. And okay, so 162 vultures released so far compared to 80 million that have been lost. So we're in this for the long haul. There have been some some good signs so that since the drug was banned it looks like all three the white rumped indian and slender build have slowed the decline and it looks like in the slender build it's been reversed okay so that, there is some positive news there yeah that's good we've we think we've hit rock bottom <laughs> but now <laughs> the only way is up hopefully there is a little caveat there are other anti-inflammatory drugs such as and i'm going to name and shame if I can pronounce it, aciclofenac, carprofen, flanexin, and ketoprofene, which are all still toxic for vultures and are still in use. And there is currently no initiative to ban them because Big Pharma, in particular the South Asian arm of the big pharmaceutical industry, will oppose this banning. So maybe, maybe the vultures have a chance. That's such a challenge though, because the amount of drugs that we're using in our livestock currently is not sustainable. Like there've been a whole host of other papers which have said, I mean, not only just for vultures, but like for human consequences as well. Having all these drugs in livestock, we we just don't know what the effects will be. Yeah. But but maybe. I, I, I feel quite positive just because, okay, so the, the, the declines have been reversed. A breeding, popul- a breeding program is underway and you do have a few viable breeding colonies in some very remote areas of Cambodia, Myanmar, up in Assam. Uh, I think there's one in Sikkim for the slender build vulture. Um, so, yeah, there is hope. And I think with the right, with the right discipline and the right m- keeping up this effort, I think we might be able to bring back the vultures, which I would certainly like to see all these vultures again. Yeah, I think we, obviously it's incredibly devastating that their populations have crashed by nine, over 99% in some cases. Yeah, that but really I feel is like we, maybe people caught it just in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe too late for some species of vulture, but I think we, yeah, people are doing everything that they can and as quickly as they can, because I think when people hear that as well, I when I read that, there was the article in, in Monga Bay, um, mm. And when you read that something has declined by over ninety percent, that is shocking. Yeah, and kind that of that really is quite bad. <laughs> it makes you want to to care and and do something about it. Yeah. So yeah. And if you feel like if you feel like doing something about it, saving Asia's vultures from extinction, save which I love. Uh, they are doing very good work. They're they're a they're a kind of federation of 24 independent charities who are all working on these vultures. So if you want to check them out, if you want to contribute to their work, save are the people to go to. Um, BirdLife International are also working on the Indian vulture crisis. So we shall probably end this podcast here. It might have been a little bit of a hard-hitting one, but there is hope on the horizon. And, you know, within our lifetimes, hopefully we will see stable wild brooding populations of India's three vultures again. Yeah, I really hope so as well. I think, yeah, vultures are, we, as we've, we've seen in this podcast, have so many different effects and can have so many positive impacts, not only on people's lives, but also on the environment as well. 
So yeah, thanks so much for listening. And if you want to check out more updates, um, you can look, search for The Biome Podcast on YouTube. And we are at Biome by Grizzly on Instagram. And then if you wanted to check us out, because we post cool wildlife stuff um <laughs> lots of badgers lots of beavers lots of otters yeah we we go out and explore <laughs> yeah and i guess that's just our aim to kind of raise awareness and educate people about the natural world Absolutely. um so we are emma hodson wildlife and at roby watkinson wildlife on instagram so thanks so much for listening um and we'll see you next time see you next time bye